I, I love how our technical people are completely in tune with the NFL. <laughs> and we support our local team, the Seahawks. If you're from somewhere else, or especially if you're from San Francisco, just deal with it. Okay? And I, I'm not suggesting the Raiders. I'm just saying, you know, whatever. Um, so, well, today's... Uh, Today being the second, you know, you're going to get one quick verse out of Proverbs chapter 2, and I, I chose verse 12. Wisdom and discretion will prevent you from doing the wrong thing. They will keep you away from people who stir up trouble by what they say. Always good to make a visit to the book of Proverbs. I love that. And, and for one of the little ones to uh, have a memory verse out of Proverbs, somebody has led them really well. I don't know who it is. Is it your fault or somebody else's fault? But mom's, mom's dad, I, I love it when the kids... Um, learn things, especially out of the book of Proverbs. It's so good for their lives. We're in the message series. Uh, we started last time from the Old Testament book of Daniel. And though um, I wouldn't say we're actually studying the book of, of Daniel, this time we're actually studying a little bit about the character of Daniel. And uh, we're learning how to stand up for the things that matter most in life. Last week we talked about standing out so that, you know, it's really, it's really important that if you always blend in to the world around you and you never stand out, you might need to just get a little bit closer to the Lord because the Lord does call us to be different and not be uh, the same as the world. In the, in the future weeks, we're going to be talking about how to stand up in, in the face of opposition, and today I want to want to talk to you about standing up for what's right. And because the reality is that that, that, that at some point, somebody you love um, is going to make some unwise decisions, and every now and then, um, God's going to prompt you. God's going to say to you, you know, uh, I think it's time for you to stand up. And stand up for what's right and help guide them back to the ways of the king, get them back on the right path. But I'm a little bit concerned about this message, too, because, I mean, it's, um, you know, a difficult subject. And frankly, some of you might hear this, what I'm going to say today, a little bit the wrong way. And, I mean, some of us in our temperament, we can be a little bit overly confrontational. And so talking about standing up for the right thing might be, for some of you, like handing you a loaded gun and a bottle of whiskey. And I don't want to do that. So, um we're going to walk into this carefully and with wisdom, and, uh, and I want to talk about this, and, and, and part of the challenge for talking about this is that there are two confrontational extremes, I think, um, that we'll see in society, and in fact, most people have a tendency to crowd to one extreme or the other, but what I'd like to see us do over, over, the, over time is see us kind of get into some balance in this. The, the first extreme is that some people are mostly unwilling to confront Mostly unwilling to ever confront. We tend to rationalize the things that we see, and we say, well, it's really just none of my business. Que sera, sera. I'm not going to start singing. Um, live and let live. You know, who am I to judge? And they're really just too non-confrontational, and they just don't ever help things move forward. Then the other extreme at the other end is some people confront unlovingly. And, um, you know, they do a drive-by confrontation or, you know, they don't have any context. They don't have any relationship. And, you know, social media lets it, you know, you can start doing that. You could just start pounding away um, at, at something that you don't even know about. And that's how it feels. It feels just pounded on. And so we need to seek God for wisdom about how do we confront in the right way at the right time for the right reasons. Because if you're a follower of Christ, there will be times when the Lord will call you to intervene in someone's life because you love them and you want to help them out. 
You know, maybe, maybe your children, maybe you've got a child that's making some bad decisions, and you're saying to yourself, now, when is the right time for me to step in and say something? Because I don't want to get to the point where I do nothing, and I don't want to push too hard and push them away, um, but I want to help bring them back to the things of God. Or, or maybe you've got a family member, and you're watching them make some really poor financial decisions, and you think about where that's taking them, and it's really going to take them to a really destructive place. And so God may call you to lovingly talk to them, um, to care, uh, care enough about them to say, hey, you know, there's really a better way to manage your money. Or, you know, maybe, maybe you've got a best friend or someone who's agreed to be your accountability partner in life, and you're watching that person continue to make worse and worse sexual decisions, something as touchy as that. And, and because you love them and because you're understanding and not because you're self-righteous, not because you're right and you're judging them, but you love them and you actually care about them enough to, make, to help them want to make good decisions. Or maybe, maybe you've got a relative that is a judgmental pain in the tail. And here we come into the holiday seasons and you think, okay, I'm not looking forward to this. And maybe, maybe some of you, it's really cool, you think, you know, I, we don't have anybody in our family like that. You might be the one then, if that's what you think. Um, <laughs> But, but every th- Thanksgiving, they show up, and instead of carving turkey, they've got something negative to say about everybody and everything, and it just destroys. And, and there's a point where you somehow have to muster up the, the, the discretion and the love to say to that person, hey, you know, this is family, and I really, really think we should find a better way because this is not the best for all of us. And so you end up, you know, you take a stand to help. There are going to be times when you need to stand up for the right thing. So we're going to take a look today, and we're going to be in Daniel chapter 4. Now, here's a little bit of background. We're, one of the, the main character here, really, is, is Daniel's son, but it's also this guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was a very evil, very, very evil guy. In fact, you know, it's almost difficult to describe how evil he was and oppressive he was to people. Um, but to give you kind of a rough idea, here's a contemporary. Uh, you may not know this, but Saddam Hussein who's gone now, um, he saw King Nebuchadnezzar as his ultimate hero. In fact, Saddam Hussein believed he was the reincarnation of King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, you've probably heard of a town called Babylon, a lot of bad stuff there. And um, um, it actually exists. It's about 50 miles outside of Baghdad, and uh, there are still people that live there. It's, It's never actually been destroyed, although it was conquered. And uh, there are, are some scriptural references to Babylon in, 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 in days um, that I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail because we'd never come out of that hole. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, when, when Saddam Hussein was still alive and running things in Iraq, he was, they were, he was ac- actively rebuilding, and it's still going on today. In fact, it has been for decades. There's been a rebuilding going on in the, in, in the area of Babylon. But he actually had bricks made that were imprinted with the phrase, to... King Nebuchadnezzar in the reign of Saddam Hussein. I mean, he, he just, just, you know, he saw himself as this kook. And, and so they, he just was, Nebuchadnezzar was a bad dude, just really bad. And, uh, and, and yet Nebuchadnezzar actually saw the Lord. He saw God work. He saw God doing things on people's behalf. And so there were times that he started to incline his heart and he kind of actually leaned towards God. You can see that in scripture. And I know he kind of like, in, in some ways, um, be like every one of us. And we're not like Nebuchadnezzar, but in some ways, you know, we can kind of start to, at times, lean and incline ourselves towards the things of God. And, um, and then, you know, we, we, you know something spiritual is, is good going on there, and then we kind of 
maybe start to do our own thing and kind of wander away. And that's what was going on with King Nebuchadnezzar. He, you know, he, was, he was leaning towards God, then he would lean away, but he was really, really not doing good stuff. And so God gives him this really crazy dream. And uh, this dream freaks him out. And he couldn't sleep, so he calls, um, he calls in these dream interpreters, these magicians, um, that, these wise men. And by the way, if you study the word here from Daniel 4, uh, of course, it's in Hebrew, the Old Testament, but in, in this section. But, but the word there for mag, mag, magicians, if it translates into Greek, it's a word that you and I might be familiar with. We, call it, we, we, we see that in Matthew chapter 2 about wise men. And this is a rabbit trail I'll just put my toe in, too. I'm just going to stick my toe out there for a second. You know, when, when you read about the Christmas story and these wise men, these magi come from the East, many scholars believe that they are the direct, um, not physical descendants of Daniel, but they were the descendants of these magi that may have come from, that could be, don't know for sure, but... Anyway, that's a rabbit trail. Put your toe back into the bus now, and we'll keep going here. So these, anyway, so he calls these interpreters, and they, 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 they could not, or they would not, interpret the dream for the king. Now, the word is not for certain whether they wouldn't or couldn't. Can't, we can't really know for sure. Um, some translations say wouldn't, some say couldn't. I tend to think they could, but they wouldn't. And the reason is when you read the dream, you can think, you know, I, okay, I, I can actually tell what's going on with this dream pretty much. I mean, um, but the, the deal was this. And Nebuchadnezzar and a lot of kings at that time were known for literally killing the, the bringer of bad news. You know, that thing, you know, don't shoot me. I'm just the, the delivery boy. That's not recent. That has roots in history. And, and so I think these guys look, listened to this dream and said, you go, no, you go, no, you go. We don't know what it means, you know, kind of a thing. And so I think that's what was going on. So the king asked Daniel if, if, you know, if he could interpret it for the king. And, um, and, and so he musters up, and he's going to do the right thing, and he's going to stand up. So let's, let's dive in. Daniel 4, starting in verse 10. And I had a vision of a huge tree in the middle of the earth. It grew bigger and bigger until it reached the sky and could be seen by everyone in the world. Its leaves were beautiful, and it was loaded down with fruit, enough for the whole world to eat. Wild animals rested in its shade, birds built nests in its branches, and every kind of living being ate its fruit. While I was thinking about the vision, I saw coming down from heaven. Now, this is Nebuchadnezzar sharing this this thing. I saw coming down from heaven an angel, alert and watchful. Okay, so the angel sees what's going on here, and watchful. He proclaimed in a loud voice, cut down the tree, chop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Drive the animals from under it and the birds out of its branches, but leave the stump in the ground with a band of iron and bronze around it. Leave it there in the field with grass. Now let the dew fall on this man and let, okay, there's a, there's a clue. Let the dew fall on this man. So the tree is a man. Okay. We're, we're, we're getting our own self interprets and let him live with the animals and the plants for seven years. He will not have a human mind, but the mind of an animal. This is the decision of the alert and watchful angel. So then let all the, all people everywhere know that the Supreme God has the power over human kingdoms and that he can give them to anyone he chooses even to those who are least important. So there's going to be this guy crawling around 
eating grass wet from the dew that looks worse, literally, I don't mean to be denigrating in this comment, but looks worse than the most down-and-outer you've seen on a freeway on-ramp with a cardboard. It looks worse than that. And God's saying, I can give the kingdoms of the world to that guy if I want to. Sovereign. God is sovereign. And he's going to demonstrate that here. He's going to take this huge tree that feeds the entire world and houses the birds and feeds the animals and gives them shade. And he's going to say, I've got this. And after hearing this dream, Daniel goes real, real quiet, you know, because he does not want to interpret the dream more than anybody else. He doesn't want to do it either. You know, what could he have done? What could he have done that? He could have said, wow, good one. Wonder what that means. <laughs> or he could have said, you know, I- I'm sorry, king. I'm kind of off. I've really not had that good of luck lately. I'm not that good at interpreting dreams anymore. He could have said, hey, did you stay up late that night eating pizza with too many anchovies? I mean, he could have done all kinds of things. And we're going to see that instead, Daniel lovingly stands up to the king and decides to point him in the right direction. And, and you know, I, I was thinking about, you know, so, so the question is, what's the dream mean? And I was thinking about dreams. Now, this, you know, dreams, I, I get distracted when I'm studying. I got the internet right there in front of me. What can I do? And so I spend a little time to find out what dreams mean. Okay, now, I want to go r- right now and give you the disclaimer and say, this is, in my mind, just for fun. I don't put a lot of stock into this because for every... You know, you know, you've probably heard of a guy named Freud or another guy named Jung, and they will tell you that your dreams are an open door into your soul. You know, I don't know, maybe. For everyone that says that, there are a whole lot of other scientists that say they mean nothing. And frankly, you can go and find interpretations for the objects of your dreams on the Internet, and where one will tell you that such and such means left, another one will tell you right. But they're kind of fun. It's kind of fun to look at it. So we're going to just, you know, distract, distract you from it. So... Just for fun, anybody here ever had a dream where you're falling? I'm the only dude that's falling. Okay, so a lot of people falling. That, that's, that means supposedly that there's something in your life that you can't control and you're concerned about it. Or here's another one, a common, apparently this is common, that you forgot to take a test. You didn't show up in time for a test. Now, this is for people that aren't going to school. You have this, you know, I don't know how many people have that. That means that you don't feel adequately prepared, I guess. Another one is where you're stuck and you can't get going. You're, 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 you, you can't give... That feels over... That's because you feel overwhelmed. Dirty water. Do you dream about dirty water? Okay, here's two interpretations. I hope nobody here dreams dirty water because neither one of these is good. One is that your body is telling you you're sick. I don't believe that because when my body is telling me I'm sick, I know it when I'm awake. <laughs> Something hurts. Okay. Um, or it could mean that your emotions are cloudy. Okay, whatever. Okay, um, if you dream about chocolate, who does not dream about chocolate? Now that, that I'm sorry, okay, you've never had it. okay, everybody should dream about chocolate because I dream about it when I'm awake and when I'm asleep. Anyway, so chocolate means you deserve to be rewarded. And um, <laughs> if you dream that you have to go to the bathroom... That's not a dream. You have to go get up and get in there. If you dream that you're naked in front of people, I don't want to know about that, but it means that you feel vulnerable or something. I don't know. And here's the worst, though. The worst is this. Your wife dreams you did something bad to her, and she wakes up mad at you. And, and, and it doesn't matter. You say, but it was a dream, and you didn't, I didn't do anything. It doesn't matter. You would have done it. Now, Lisa has never done this with me before. 
I didn't do anything. So, so Nebuchadnezzar, let's get back to, to the word of God. Um, he asked Daniel, um, and Daniel doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really want to say, come on, Daniel, what, what do you see here? And the first thing Daniel says, he says, oh, king, I, I wish this applied to your enemies. He's showing he actually, actually and genuinely cares for. He loves the king. I just wish this were not true. And he tells him the truth. Verse 22, your majesty, you are that tree. You become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. And your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. And then in verse 25, he translates further. He says, you'll be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. In other words, you're going to crawl around like an animal, like a cat or something. You know, you're going to be crazy. Seven times will pass. <laughs> this means seven years. Okay, so, so for, for, for seven, uh, seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots, and this is actually good news, King, means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. So Daniel interprets this, this dream before the king. You know, he could have stopped there, too. He could have stopped right there, because he did what the king asked him to do. He could have very easily left it right there. But he didn't do that. Notice that now Daniel has the courage to step in and do something that could literally cost him his life. Remember, this guy kills people who tell him bad news. And uh, he doesn't even think about it. He doesn't lose sleep over that. He loses sleep over a dream, but not over that. And he stands up to this king now, not because he was proud of himself, not because he was somehow arrogantly wanting to correct the king, not because he thought he was better than the king. He stood up to the king because he loved him. And he wanted the king to know his good God. And this is what the, he had the courage to say. Verse 27. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. In other words, I, I care about you. I love you. I, I want what's best for you. He, said, he goes on, stop sinning and do what's right. Stop sinning and do what's right. In fact, any time, any time you are going to lovingly confront an issue or a person, this summarizes what we're, we're going to say, you know, you know, s- stop spending your money foolishly and, and do what's right. Stop, stop being so harsh and, and do what's right. Stop, stop, stop disrespecting, you know. I, we, we can do better in our relationship. Maybe we should get counseling, but let's, you know. And, and he goes on, he says, Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. You know, you stop oppressing people. God has given you all this influence. Use your influence to bless people instead of what you're doing. He's saying, and then, and then he says, perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Because if you do what's right, maybe, maybe you're going to see what God wants you. I wish this wasn't for you, O king. Please do the right thing. Part of following Christ Part of doing life together with a bunch of, of, of Christians includes us encouraging each other and, and, and loving each other and, and supporting each other and praying for each other. And, and at times, God will call you to stand up to somebody 
to help them out to get back on to God's pathway for them. And at the same time, someone may at times come to you and talk to you about something that maybe you're blind to because everybody has blind spots. Everybody's got blind spots, right? Every one of us, and we need help. And so when God calls us to stand up to somebody, it's really important that we be very prayerful, very prayerful. How do you do it? Well, there's a great New Testament verse that pretty much mirrors what Daniel is doing here with King Neb. So um, it's okay if I call him Neb. Too long to say Nebuchadnezzar. Actually, it would have been shorter to say Nebuchadnezzar than that whole last thing I just did. But anyway, so... um, Okay, so Galatians 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly, that's you, that's you people, you who are godly should gently and humbly, not arrogantly and harshly, but, you know, people often do that way, but instead it should be gently and humbly. Help that person back onto the right path. And I love this imagery because, because I love you. Gently and humbly, because I love you. And, and, and I'm no better than you. I'm not judging you. I, I want you on the right path because I can see you're going to end up hurt because that's where this pathway goes. This word, um, help the person back on the right path, some translations say the word is restore. And that word restore, literally translated, is the same word used to set a broken bone. You ever had a broken bone? I've had a few broken bones. You know, I was a little boy once, you know. And, um, you know, I've never had one that needed to be set. But if, you're, if your bone is so broken that it's apart and crooked, if you don't set that bone, it'll maybe heal. But if it does, it'll never work right again. It'll never have the strength it's supposed to have. It may not heal. It's not a good thing. And, and so you who are godly, you, you help set that. It goes on, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So when we confront, we're going to be prayerful. And so I've got two very simple prayers for you to pray that will help you with spiritual confrontation. First one is this, God, help me confront with the goal of restoration. Help me confront with the goal of restoration. God, help me confront with the goal of restoration. We always want to confront with, with the goal of restoration. We want, to, we, we want to help somebody that we love get back on the right path. We never, ever confront because we're right. That's not the reason we confront. We confront because we want to help somebody get on a, on a pathway that, that uh, will help them be right with God. It's never, oh, I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> we confront to help somebody get back on the path with God, and that is the only reason. Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, Galatians 6.1. And the approach really matters. It really does. I mean, I, I have this story back in my past when, um, when I was confronted. And I think I had been confronted by several people about this and had just kind of refused it. And it was when I first went from um, working in the corporate world into ministry, and I actually had somebody say to me, well, if you're going to do that, somebody in ministry said to me, if you're going to do that, you better get thick skin because people have a tendency to talk about and carve into church leadership. And, um, and so I came into it. Now, I, w- I was already, when I made this move, I was already a very goal-oriented kind of a person. I mean, very goal-oriented. Here's our goal. You know, I would get us there at whatever it costs, but we'd get there, you know, kind of a person. And, um, and that has a tendency to um, hurt people. 
It does. And so I, I, had, this, I had this insensitivity that just wasn't good. And uh, I remember one time when I was, um, I had decided just to take a day, just a day with the Lord. And so I, 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 I put my Bible and my laptop and a bag full of potato chips and a six-pack of Diet Coke in my truck, and I headed out of Dodge. I just get away from everybody and everything. Just spend time with the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Lord, speak to me. What are you saying to me? What's going on? What should I be thinking about for my future, my, my ministry? And uh, I found myself down at Ocean Shores, and I got, to, got part of the day, and I was getting kind of hungry, and I thought, i got to find a place to eat, and driving along, and I really felt the Lord say, in there. And so I went into the Quinault uh, casino, and there's a cafe in there. And so um, uh, I'd never been in there before, and, and um, it was kind of late breakfast, early lunch kind of thing. And I, I had this supernatural experience. Now, I have the tendency not to want to tell about supernatural experiences because you might go, nutcase, find another church. This guy's a kook. I'm just going to tell you what happened that day because I was spending time with the Lord. And I actually have an expectation that if I'm going to spend time with a sovereign, supernatural creator of the universe who wants that kind of time with us, I should expect something supernatural. It's not like a trade. It's not like quid pro quo. It's just, it shouldn't be unusual that a supernatural God will show up, right? So I'm, I'm in there, and um, I've been reading my Bible and listening and making notes to impressions I was having, all these things going on, and and there was a moment where this, in this, caf- this, this little cafe, f- there was people all over, that one by one, I started being able to actually hear the conversations at tables on the other side. You'd hear this roar going, the, the, the dull roar. You know what it is in a restaurant where it's kind of loud. I couldn't physically hear it, but I could hear a conversation. And then I heard another one, and I heard another one. And at table after table after table, I heard people talking about their pastors. It was odd. I mean, and I'm not bringing that up to you. I'm not here to thrash you about that or anything. I'm just saying it was unusual. It was supernatural. And the Lord put on my heart these people. Instead of getting angry at them, my heart broke for them. And I, I felt about them. But the point was this. The, the point for today's sermon was this. You know, I got a little bit more unwilling to be open to let people talk to me. Just one more thing added to it. You better get thick skin and then I hear these things. And now my ministry and the people around me are kind of paying the, paying the price because, by God, we're going to reach our, reach our goal no matter who it hurts. I mean, I didn't really think that. But the people who were being hurt, <laughs> that's exactly what they saw because that's what was really happening. I'm not proud of this, but I think sometimes being transparent with you about my background, you know, this is... Anyway, so a guy who I absolutely respected... Hey, let's have a hamburger. I said, okay. He says, you know, you're doing great things for the kingdom. You've accomplished these things, and you've built this, and you've done that, and brought this order, and done da, 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 all these wonderful things. He says, really good. And then he said, um, but can I mention something else to you that I think you don't even see, and you would, you'd want to know? I said, yeah. He said, you know, you should turn around in the turret of your tank, and look where the treads have been, because you're going to see some people there. And it broke my heart. And he lovingly, humbly confronted something in me that God wanted confronted. And that's when the Holy Spirit broke through for me, when these loving, gentle, humble words came 
from a brother in Christ, and it got through to me, and I recognized I was wrong, and I needed to change, and it broke my heart. You know, it could have been a drive-by confrontation. You know, it could have been angry people on social media pounding away. It could have been, you know, people with no relationship. All of that's ineffective. It's just ineffective. But when you do life with other people, and you have a relationship, and, and, and you walk with them through experiences. Now, by the way, if, if, if for you, Christianity is going to church when you can, you're just not going to get very far with the things of God. You know, it's when we open up our lives, we open up our hearts, and, and when we're vulnerable to other people, and, and, and you can speak into my life, and you give me access to speak into your life, and... and that's, it's, 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 that's when marriages can be made better. That's when you and I can partner together and make a difference as we raise children in a community. It's, that's when we can really press into those deeper things of God. So first is when we confront, God help us confront with a goal of restoration. Number two, God help me to confront with caution. With caution. It's really interesting that the Holy Spirit inspired uh, the Apostle Paul to put this in. He says, gently and humbly help them onto the right path, you who are godly. We need to do this. But be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Here's the thing. When you're confronting other people, we become vulnerable to pride. We do. You know, oh, I'm right. I can see this and Terry doesn't. I mean, that could have been prideful. And before long, we can actually can start to embrace that and we can get this prideful, sinful attitude that just closes hearts down. You know, you better bless God that I'm in your life to straighten you out because otherwise you're going to hell where the worm never dies, you know. <laughs> I got it, Lord. We don't want to do that. God tells us we need to be really careful. So here's why. Thank you. Fifty bucks, huh? <clears throat> Sorry. Do you mind if I put a cough drop in? Too much loud preaching, Terry. Okay, that will help. I'll try not to smack. Okay. And here's one reason why I think we need to be very careful about about this. If you are concerned about one very specific topic that needs to be confronted. It could be that the Lord has given you a burden for that issue. But it could also be that you have a weakness for that within your own heart. And you need to understand that. The world hates hypocrisy. That's why the world loves to watch godly people fall. Jesus said, these are the words of the Lord, uh, Matthew 7, he says, the Basically, he says, what are you looking for, that little itty-bitty microscopic speck in somebody else's eye when you've got a cedar big thing in your, you know, in your eye? 
We need to be really careful, gently and humbly. And by the way, gently and humbly, that's not God's advice. This isn't Oprah, okay? (laughs) This is God saying, this is how you do this. You're going to talk to my son or my daughter. I'm calling you to do that, but why don't you remind you? You're talking to my son. You're talking to my daughter. I want this done gently. I want it done humbly. Oh, by the way, elsewhere in Scripture, there's a concept taught, taught about mercy and grace. It says, the same way you measure it out, that's how you're going to get it back. Gently and humbly, got it, Lord. I got it. I got it. And so often, you know, we're, we know as parents, you never discipline your children in anger. But somehow, when it comes to us wanting to correct a colleague or a peer, we think in our minds, anger might be okay here. They need to know how I feel. There's a proverb that the Lord reminds me about, reminds me about occasionally that basically says that the anger of, of man will not produce the righteousness that God desires. So, humbly and gently, if you ever, if I ever loving, if, 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 if I ever have to lovingly bring correction to you, I want you to know I'm not over you. If you ever lovingly bring correction to me, we agree, you're not over me. We all agree we're all under the Lord, lower than God. And when we realize that we are lower than God, and what we're trying to do is lift each other up to the Lord, that's when we can do it accurately and in the right way, the right reason, and the right for the right results. And that's what Daniel does. And seven years later, by God's grace, seven years later, Verse 34 says, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. The last thing that you and I want is as a church full of people who are against. Right? I would rather that we had a church full of people who are for. And there's a difference. There's a, the, the difference isn't the issue. The difference is the heart behind it. We don't want to be a bunch of people against. We want to be a bunch of people. What are we for? Well, we're for the kingdom of God. We're for other people. And we want to see other people get closer to the Lord. And I did not preach this message today so that you could go out of here and hear, you know, Pastor Terry sent me out and told me to find three people to confront before sundown. <laughs> we're not looking to correct other people. We're just not. We're out to help find other, help other people get closer to the Lord. And that's exactly what Daniel does. He says, God, I, he says, King, I love you. I care about you. I wish this wasn't you. I humbly ask you to change these things because maybe, maybe it'll be better for you. And God will be able to bless you. And, and we wish that at that point, the king right there would have said, Oh, Daniel, you're so right. Let's, let's get this together and, 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 and we can sing our God reigns together. You know, that, that is not what this king does. He just goes on sinning, goes on rebelling against God, and because of that, he literally crawls for seven years. Now, some of you people, I hope a lot of you people will obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you'll get it right. And when this happens, you're not going to be overly confrontational. You're not going to be arrogant or harsh. You're going to do the right thing, and you're going to lovingly confront a brother or a sister. And, and here's the deal. Sometimes they're going to turn. And sometimes they're not going to turn. 
and you're not responsible. You need to understand that. You are not responsible for what they choose to do. You're only responsible to obey the call that the Lord has given you to lovingly and humbly try to help them. You just do what's right, and then you trust God with those results. Seven years later, this, this evil king repents of this sin, and he turns toward God. And God is glorified, and I believe it's because he worked through one person who had the courage to stand up for what's right and to do it in love. Now, sometimes you, you got to take a risk because this could be messy. It can be ugly. You know? In your marriage, you feel like you've been overlooked and underloved. And at some point, you have to say, hey, we, we, this isn't right. It's time for us to get some counseling or whatever. Or you, you got a supervisor at work who doesn't respect you and you really have something to contribute and you need to say, hey, I just need to ask if you would be willing to listen to me because I really have something to offer here. Or, or you have a child going the wrong way and you know, I, I love you too much. You don't know this. But I did this when I was your age, and it just exploded in my life. And I just don't want you to have that kind of pain. And so you talk to you. And when the Holy Spirit works through you in this, with God's perfect timing and God's perfect way, we're now partnering with a sovereign, supernatural creator of the universe, gently and humbly help people get right on the, on the right path. Not because we're right and they're wrong but because it's our desire to help them be right with God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that today in the name of your son Jesus that you would lead us to be a church full of people who are not known for what we're against, but instead, Lord, that we would be known for what we are for. And that is for your kingdom and, Lord, especially for people that you love so desperately. I want to ask you, keep your eyes closed. And I want to ask every person here, this is, not, um, this is not what you think it is, but I'm going to ask you this question, rhetorical. Don't answer out loud. Would you make yourself available right now to the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Would you position your heart so that in this moment, in this moment, if the Holy Spirit is talking to you about something to prepare your heart because someone else is going to come to you and say, hey, i got to talk to you about something. Would you keep your heart tender and pliable? Or would you make yourself available to the Holy Spirit in case the Lord wants to use your temperament, your gifting, your smile, your love, your humility to take someone else who is stumbling and bring them back to a place where they'll stop skinning their knees and stop hurting themselves and people around them. Lord, as we make our hearts tender before you, we really believe that this is your call, not ours. It's not up to us to somehow come up with a menu of people that you want us to to be involved with as far as, as this kind of confrontation. This was something that you drew Daniel to. He didn't go looking for it. It came to him. Lord, where those moments are in our pathway and we don't see them yet, Lord, we prepare our hearts because none of us wants to be the instrument of human flesh doing something, but instead, Lord, we'd be glad to be partnering with the the sovereign king of the universe. Help us, Lord, to find how to do this gently and humbly. We thank you, Lord, for that. 